This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B or wherever the Saints and Pelicans might be, here's Brianna Nowlin and Cassie Calvert. Welcome to the Black and Blue Report this morning, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. You are on with Bree and Cassie, and we have a lot to talk about on this hashtag Black and Gold Friday. <laughs> it has been a very busy week. Pelicans coming off tough loss of the home opener on Wednesday, but we're excited about this Warriors matchup tonight. Yeah, tonight we take on the Golden State Warriors at 8.30 in the Smoothie King Center. And if you don't have your tickets, which they still are available, but it's also going to be on ESPN tonight as well. So it should be an interesting game, especially considering the fact that Golden State just got killed by the Spurs at their home opener this past weekend, 100-129. to Yeah, they fell behind early, and they just really couldn't come back and recover. With you have Kawhi Leonard on the Spurs, and Coach Gentry talked about him this week when reporters were asking him how you kind of handle the Warriors. He's like, well, when you have Kawhi Leonard, it's a little easier because his defense is just stifling. And then he had 35 points. Jonathan Simmons, also off the bench for the Spurs, had 20 points. So it's going to be interesting for the Pelicans lining up with the Warriors Friday night and then also going to the Spurs Saturday night, seeing as the Warriors and the Spurs just played as well. So, Yeah, that could be bad news for us. I'm sure Golden (laughs) State has a little bit of bruised egos, and I'm sure they want to come out with a bang tonight. And then we go straight to San Antonio the next day, and we're playing the 2-0 Spurs now. Um, So that should be interesting. And that game on Saturday night is at 7 o'clock Central Time. Um, You can catch it on Fox Sports New Orleans, NBA TV, and WRNO 99.5. So it'll be a good weekend for the Pelicans. Hopefully we we show up, especially considering that um, Golden State now has Kevin Durant. Yeah, really interesting (laughs) offseason for the Warriors there. (laughs) So you have a starting lineup projected for the Warriors that's Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. Draymond Green, and now they also picked up Zaza Pachulia, center who was with Dallas last season. They also picked him up as a free agent in the offseason. So very new look for the Warriors, but at the same time, they kept all those really key pieces that have been so successful for them the past couple seasons. Yeah, plus we have Anthony Davis, who is coming off of some amazing stats from our home opener on Wednesday. He scored 50 points, which was the second time in his career that he's had 50-plus points, and then four blocks, career high of seven steals. I mean, that's, it's crazy. 16 rebounds, 5 assists as well. He was right off of 5x5. Five five. He's just the fourth player in NBA history to score 50 points on opening night. It's craziness. I know. Hopefully he keeps that same momentum going. I mean, we had a great second half. We came back from a double-digit deficit, and it's, it's kind of strange because I'm used to seeing the opposite. Normally you see we start off really strong, have a great first half, and then something happens in the fourth quarter, and – We just can't hang on to the lead, but this time it was kind of the opposite. We almost came back in the second half. We outscored the other team in the second half. I mean, I think hopefully if we could combine both of those. (laughs) I mean, I know we're kind of feeling the loss of Ryan Anderson. At least I know I am because we were 3 of 19 for three-point field goals. I mean, we need some kind of outside shooter coming in strong because we only made three three three-pointers. I mean – 
Yeah, I think the team's going to look for Etwan Moore and Buddy Hill to be that outside shooter. Etwan Moore only had 10 points. He was really good in the preseason, so I'm going to look for him to be a little more involved offensively on Friday or tonight. But when you have AD going off like that, mm-hmm. Tim Frazier's going to keep feeding AD. I do think it's interesting, though, the Warriors-Spurs game and the Denver Pelicans game kind of had like a similar structure because the Warriors were out-rebounded, shot just 21% from three-point range, while the Pelicans were also out-rebounded and shot 33%, or excuse me, 15.8% from the three-point range, missed their first six attempts. So it's going to be interesting to see how both those teams kind of make up for that in Friday's game when they both sort of struggled in the same ways in their losses this week. Right. We heard Coach Alvin Gentry mention that we got to work on our defense and also our rebounding. I mean, we only had five offensive rebounds last game. And, I mean, I remember watching the game – one of the players would take a shot, and before the ball was even close to the basket, everyone was already running back to get on defense, which is good. You're defensive-minded, but you got to be there for the rebounds as well, you know, keep the ball on their side of the court. Yeah, Coach Gentry also talked about this week. He's really familiar with this Warriors team. He served as their associate head coach during the 2014-15 season where they ended up winning an NBA championship. And he just talked about when he won a championship with a group of people, obviously that's a special bond. He said he texts Steve Kerr regularly. They talk. He talks to Draymond Green a lot. He said he also texted Luke Walton after the Lakers won their opener um, since Luke Walton's now the head coach of the Lakers, and he was on the Golden State staff with um, Coach Gentry as well. So definitely very familiar with this team. AD has also been on um, the FIBA World Cup team with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He also won a um, gold medal with Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant on that 2012 Olympic team. So very familiar with this Warriors team for sure. Yeah, definitely. And once again, that game is tonight at the Smoothie King Center at 8.30 p.m. against Golden State. Tickets are still available, so make sure you get yours. If you can't watch it, check it out on ESPN. And there's also, of course, the World Series going on, and Game 3 is also tonight. The series is tied 1-1 one and one right now, but now we're moving to Cubs territory at Wrigley Field. So that should be something that you guys want to catch out to. And it's at 7 o'clock. So you can watch the Cubs take on the Indians tonight at 7 o'clock and then flip on over and watch the Pelicans play Golden State. Or if you're in the arena, you can just pull up that baseball game on your phone with the first little part. This is my favorite time of the year, though, because we have every single big sports league in yeah. action. There's <laughs> sports constantly on my television, and it makes me really, really happy. Speaking of, we're going to talk some Saints football now. We have the Saints hosting the Seahawks this Sunday for a noon kickoff at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It's going to be on Fox. We're going to have Justin Kutcher, Charles Davis, and Chris Spielman on the call with Holly Saunders' sideline. Really, really excited for this Seahawks-Saints matchup. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one because, hello, Jimmy Graham is coming back to New Orleans for the very first time, not as a Saints player. I know a lot of people, myself included, were huge Jimmy Graham fans back when he played for us. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares with this Seahawks in the Superdome. Hopefully Saints Nation is super loud and we kind of show him what we got, you know, being on the other side of the ball. He's second on the Seahawks right now in receptions. He's averaging the highest numbers for them on yards per per reception at 15.1. He has one touchdown on the year. So I think he's going to look for a good game on Sunday. I think he's going to be excited to be back in the Dome and show the Saints what he's got. It's also funny because um, 
general manager Mickey Loomis also spent 15 years with Seattle. He was their executive vice president from 1992 to 1998 also. Max Unger, New Orleans center, yep. also played for the Seahawks. He started 67 regular season games with them, eight playoffs games, went to two pro-, pro Bowls with the Seahawks. So lots of connections between these two teams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they're coming off of a kind of weird game against Arizona Cardinals. Very weird. They're tied 6-6, six and six, six to six, and right now their record's 4-1-1. and one and one. So bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre. One of my best friends was at that game on Sunday, and everyone was like, I hope you got your money back after that. You didn't even <laughs> see a touchdown. But the Seahawks are leading the NFC West, and the Saints and the Seahawks series is tied at 6-6. Six to six. But since Sean Payton has been the head coach in, since 2006, the Saints have won two out of the last three regular season games these two teams have played. So going to be a really exciting matchup when you have a really powerful offense with the Saints and a really like consistently dominant yeah. Seattle defense. Season after season, their defense has been ridiculous. We're going to talk to Seahawks digital reporter John Boyle, who actually wrote a really interesting article about the Seahawks defense recently. So he's going to give us his thoughts on that matchup as well. Yep. Also, one notable thing happening this weekend is it's the Saints Hall of Fame induction, and we're going to be honoring Will Smith and Hokey Gaijan um, at the game during halftime. There's a luncheon happening today at noon, and you can get full coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com. They're having a gala tomorrow night at Club 44. 50 former Saints players are going to be there, probably even more. Um, And then, of course, at game day, we're going to be open opening the museum the hall of fame museum and it's free of charge if you have a ticket to go in on game day i know uh, former saints tackle and saints hall of famer stan brock will be there signing autographs and taking pictures from 10 to 11 15 so a lot going on this weekend definitely check that out if you're at the game on sunday so we've got a great show for you with a busy weekend of sports coming up First, we'll hear from John Boyle, Seahawks digital reporter, like we talked about. And Daniel Salerson also interviewed Ryan Rucco, who will be calling the Pelicans-Warriors game tonight on ESPN. Great show for you. Pelicans opening week is finally here, and you'll want to be in the Smoothie King Center as Anthony Davis and your pals take on Steph Curry and Kevin Durant with the Golden State Warriors this Friday, October 28th at 8.30. Pre-game activities start off the night at 6 p.m. with Pelicans Fest, featuring live music by Bottoms Up, interactive games, appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans Dance Team, and a special halftime show featuring Rebirth Brass Band. Win the night with your family and friends. Visit pelicans.com for tickets today. From sunup to sundown, there's no end to the great time you'll have at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Join us October 26th through 30th at the Country Club of Jackson for a full course of action. From first-class golf to fan-pleasing fun and, of course, lots of fresh, delicious 100% natural chicken. All to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. So don't miss a single stroke of excitement at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. 
We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We're joined by John Boyle, Seahawks digital reporter. John, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So the Seahawks are coming off a sort of bizarre 6-6 tie at the Cardinals on Sunday. Obviously a great showing from the defense. They had 95 defensive snaps and held the Cardinals without a touchdown. What were your big takeaways from that game, though? I'd go beyond sort of bizarre. That was really bizarre. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on it. The defense was so impressive. Uh, That's a good Cardinals offense, and to keep them out of the end zone for five full quarters was pretty impressive to see. On the flip side of that, the offense really struggled. They only had five first downs in regulation. They got it going, had two really nice drives in overtime, but um, basically the entire four quarters, that offense just struggled to get going. So that's going to be kind of the big question mark going into this game is if the offense can get right down New Orleans. So coming off of that tie last week, what are the Seahawks' main focuses and objective going to be in this Sunday's matchup against the Saints? Well, you know, going back to the offense, I think the big thing is going to be trying to get some sort of running game going. This is a team that really going back to when they acquired Marshawn Lynch in 2010 has really wanted to be a running team, and they've been that for the last four or five years. Uh, It's been a bit of a struggle this year for a number of reasons. Russell Wilson's not as mobile as usual because of the knee and ankle injuries. Uh, Thomas Rawls, who was kind of their breakout running back last year, has been hurt. So uh, they want to get some running game going. I think that would help the offense a lot, help clean up some of the issues on third down, all that stuff. Uh, Defensively, obviously the focus is going to be Drew Brees in that passing game, just trying to slow down one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. So you mentioned Russell Wilson's injuries. He did say he's planning to play Sunday. Do you expect him to be in action on Sunday? I do, yeah. I mean, we haven't we haven't uh, heard anything to make us think otherwise. We'll get a little more detail from Pete Carroll after practice today. But, I mean, that guy's he's as tough as they come. He's played through a lot of stuff this week, and he is still throwing in practice. Um, he the, the pec injury did happen during the game, and actually he, he after the injury happened, he played better in overtime than he had all game. So that's... That's an encouraging sign. They, they have been limiting him just to kind of keep his arm fresh with, with that injury, but I don't think there's much doubt that we'll see him out there. So there were seven members listed on the did-not-practice um, list yesterday, and the Seahawks have also been without safety Cam Chancellor for the past two weeks with a groin injury that he sustained in practice. Do you think he'll be in action on Sunday? Uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, they sounded optimistic about him last week, but the fact that he has not practiced the last two days obviously – is not a really encouraging sign. So um, that'll be one. I, it, knowing knowing Pete Carroll, I'm guessing he'll tell us after the game that it's going to after practice today that it's going to be a game day decision. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, the, the good news is they really like what they've been getting out of Kelsey McCray, his backup. So they're not going to rush Cam Chancellor back if there's any chance of him re-injuring that. But yeah, it's it's a little more in doubt I think than we thought it was going to be coming into the week. So you wrote a really interesting article, I thought, that outlined the dominance of Seattle's defense over the past couple of seasons. Do you think this is a stretch people will talk about like years later, and what sort of enables them to be so consistently dominant? I do. I mean, I think in the middle of it, it's almost hard to appreciate, which is kind of why I wrote something like that. But I do think looking back, you know, especially if this team, if, if the nucleus of this team can win another Super Bowl or two before kind of turning over to the next generation of players, I, I don't think there's any way this won't go down as kind of a historically great group. And, and even if they didn't, I, I think they deserve to be in that conversation. Because um, as I wrote in that story, it's, you know, we see teams every year have a great season, whether it's offense, defense. And for the same reason Pete Carroll is so impressed with Drew Brees in that offense, 
because they just do it over and over and over. That's what this defense has done. And you know, in terms of how they do it, it's it's a it, it, I could talk to you forever about it, but it's a combination of I think they 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 did a really good job drafting to build that group. Earl Thomas is the only first round pick in there, and it's, you know you got fifth round picks and Cam Chancer and Richard Sherman and. Um, Bobby Wagner is a fourth round pick or second round pick. KJ Wright's a fourth round pick. So you know they they did a really good job of finding some some value there. And then I just you know Pete Carroll, I, I think because he's been a head coach so long and he's you know known for his personality and all these things, I think sometimes it gets a little lost. What a great defensive mind he is, which is you know he was a defensive coordinator for a long time before he was a head coach, and he's built a really really good solid defense that you know it doesn't. It's not too tricky. They don't do a lot of different exotic things, but they're just really disciplined, really sound in their principles, and they've just been able to repeat it year after year. Right. I mean, it's no surprise that the Seahawks defense is one of the best in the league, and the Saints are definitely more of a passing team. Um, And with that strong secondary, do you think it's going to be a challenge for Drew Brees and the Saints offense? Yeah, I mean, I don't see – it's kind of one of those – fun strength versus strength game. I don't necessarily see one side coming out dominant or, you know, the, the Saints will get some yards, you know, no matter how good a secondary is, as good as Drew Brees is. And, and the way he gets the ball out, I think that's going to be a big key because the Seahawks pass rush has been really strong this year, but as quickly as Drew Brees gets rid of the ball, it's really hard to get to him. So it's going to be, you know, limiting the games, keep, keeping the big plays from happening, making the sure tackles on short games, stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks have had pretty good success against the Saints in recent years, but that has been a home, and obviously it's going to be a lot tougher down there. Right, and the big headline this weekend is that tight end Jimmy Graham is returning to the Super Bowl for the first time in a different jersey. And I know this past week we've heard several teammates express their thoughts about playing against their former teammate and friend. You can tell that they all think really highly of him, as do many other Saints fans. What's your take on that? Yeah, we actually, Jimmy Graham's going to talk to the media after practice today, so we've not gotten his take on this yet, but um, just from what I've seen Saints players saying and what I would imagine it's going to be like for Jimmy Graham, I mean, this this was not some ugly divorce where he's going to come back thinking he's angry at the franchise and wants to prove anything. I think it'll be more of just a special occasion to, you know, play in front of those fans who meant a lot to him. He's talked very fondly in the past about his time there and his teammates, especially Drew Brees, so... You know, I think it'll be kind of, as Drew Brees said to the reporters down there, it's kind of weird. I think it'll probably be a little weird for, for Jimmy as well to be on the other sideline in a different uniform. But, uh, you know, just in terms of on-field, on he's it's a good time for him to go home because he's uh, he's really been coming into his own in that offense. And he and Russell Wilson are on the same page more so than than they have been at any other point. And got 23 receptions in the last four games. So they're they're really starting to click, and he's becoming a huge part of that offense. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping he doesn't score on us, but if he does, I'm wondering if he'll give us one of his famous goalpost dunks for old time's sake. <laughs> Man, I don't know. They probably don't want to take the flag on that, but we'll see. <laughs> right. So the Saints defense has struggled, and like you mentioned earlier, the Seattle Seattle offense has struggled a little bit in the past weeks with Russell Wilson's injuries. How do you foresee that matchup on the other side of the ball? Obviously, we've talked a lot about the Seahawks defense versus the Saints offense, but what about the flip side? Yeah, you know, I, I do think we'll see the the Seahawks offense rebound a little bit. They've they've you know they've been kind of hot and cold this year, and they've had some really strong games. Russell Wilson's looked dominant at times, and um, you know I, I'm not not to knock the Saints defense, but when you look at the numbers, it's it's not quite what some of the defenses the Seahawks have struggled against. So uh, I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. Playing down in that dome is really hard, and that'll give them trouble. But 
I, you know, I do think we're going to see the Seahawks offense respond. Russell Wilson's also always been a pretty, pretty good at if, if something's not going well, he's pretty good at fixing things. So he'll take it upon himself this week to get some of those issues cleaned up. And I, I think we'll see, you know, not not a necessarily a dominant performance out of that offense, but an improved one. So the Seahawks have four wins under their belt already. What do you foresee as a ceiling for the team this season? Do you see them as a playoff caliber team? For sure. I mean, they as much as they didn't love that tie, the fact that they didn't lose any ground to Arizona helped them. So they're you know they've got a bit of a cushion in the division. And um, this is traditionally under Pete Carroll been a team that always finishes stronger than it starts. So I mean, they were they were two and four at this point last year and still made the playoffs at ten and six. So. Uh, they can be better, but they, they feel really good about this group. Pete Carroll's talked about you know the depth on this team, how much he likes it, and it, but it has he, he's not going to say it's better than the Super Bowl winning team, obviously, but he has said it has the potential to be that kind of team. So they have they have very high expectations around here. Okay, so switching subjects a little bit, I have to ask because Halloween is really big here in New Orleans. (laughs) And hopefully we don't have any Seahawks in the Dome. But if we do, I have this really good idea that everybody should dress up in Harry Potter costumes to go along with Richard Sherman. That was hilarious. What do you think? Oh my gosh, that that was pretty good. I like no, I like that idea, and it's uh, he he's he's a unique one. He's he's a pretty fun guy, and uh, gave it gave us some entertaining material the other day. So uh, yeah, I, I like the idea. Maybe maybe all the Seahawks fans break out their Harry Potter costume stuff. <laughs> So you're telling me it's a big deal. Do I need to bring a costume this weekend? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. People go all out uh, down here. Well, you got to go I check not, out all the houses decorated. I did not decorated. pack right for that. Maybe I'll have to pick something up down there. <laughs> My favorite was the, like, pointing for the next question with the wand. I loved yeah. that. Yeah, no, waving the wand around throughout the press conference was pretty good. <laughs> all right, so can you give us your game prediction for this weekend, John? Oh, uh, boy, I don't, I don't usually do predictions, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be a homer. I'll take the Seahawks. I, like I said, I think that offense is going to gonna respond. And let's let's say something like, 27 24 how's that yeah i think it'll definitely be a close game for sure definitely high school yeah i do i i just i really like the, the matchup of the that same passing game against a great defense so that'll be really fun to watch it's gonna be a fun one for sure thanks so much john we really appreciate the time thank you of course thanks for having me coming up next we'll hear from daniel's interview with ryan ruko who will be calling the pelicans game tonight on espn stick around Ochsner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Ochsner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead. Even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Ochsner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-OCHSNER or visit ochsner.org. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. 
Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans Pick 4 plan presented by Domino's guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. The Pelicans take on the Warriors tonight on ESPN at 8.30 Central. And on the call for the worldwide leader is Ryan Rucco, who joins me now on the phone. Thanks for coming on the show, Ryan. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me, ma'am. Oh, no problem, Ryan. We've only had a few days of regular season basketball, but has anything stuck out to you, whether it's a certain team or player so far throughout these first few games? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of things have uh, have stuck out to me. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I think about is how the Lakers are going to be a team that is, I think, for the first time um, on the right path in a long time, and it'll make them more interesting to watch, even though I don't expect them to be a playoff team. I think that now there's a purpose behind whatever you see with their young talent rather than sort of hanging in this Kobe purgatory um, at waiting for Kobe to retire. I think you can now think about the future, and there's some really exciting young pieces there that are going to be fun to watch and make the Lakers once again um, an attraction. I think to uh, to a lesser degree, we're going to see some of that in uh, in Philadelphia. I mean, there's some good young bigs throughout this league. Uh, that's one of the things that stood up to me, whether or not it is you know Julius Randle with the Lakers or it's Joel Embiid now getting to watch him with Philadelphia or Carl Anthony Towns uh, in Minnesota or, you know, young but a little bit uh, older in Anthony Davis in New Orleans. I think we have some really good young front court players right now in this league, which is good to see because we know the NBA is skewed guard heavy uh, in recent years. So I like seeing that. No doubt about that. Let's focus on Pelicans and Warriors. The Warriors do not look like a team that won 73 games last year. I know people like to overreact after one game, but – Will we see some growing pains from them, kind of like when Miami's big three formed a while back? Yeah, I, I think that we will. Um, you know, he, one of the things that's going to be difficult for them is uh, just finding their identity defensively because even though they'll have it with their small ball lineup, they're not going to play their small ball lineup all the time. You know, they're not the deaf lineup where Draymond Green is at the center position. They're going to deploy that at certain select times throughout regular season games, like they always have, that's not a lineup they're going to ride for 30 minutes a night. And in the past, you know, they were able to choose their spots in the regular season and then use it more in the playoffs because they had Andrew Bogut. And if you look at the numbers, you know, over the last couple of years when Andrew Bogut plays or doesn't play, Warriors were a completely different team. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons Cleveland was able to come back uh, in the finals was the injury to Andrew Bogut. Um, in game five. So I think that what's going to be tough for the Warriors is they've played this defensive style where they funnel drivers into their rim protectors. And Festus Azili was above average at that as well. And now you don't have Azili and you don't have Bogut. So how are you going to play the kind of defense that has made you, you know, a top five defensive team over the last couple of years? And, and, and that's what's going to be interesting to me because there's no doubt that they've taken a hit at the rim protection area. I think they have plenty of talent to make up for it. Now, I think maybe you're going to see a little more trapping and, you know, some more steals, and that'll create more opportunities in transition, which they have the talent to uh, turn into buckets. Um, but I, I do think that 
there'll be some defensive adjustments because they don't quite have, and Zaza Pachulia is not quite what they've had as far as a rim protector. The Big Four scored 82 of the team's 100 points in a loss to the Spurs, which we knew would happen as far as them scoring a ton of points together. But you mentioned Azili not there and Boga not there. You lose Harrison Barnes. Um, does the lack of depth behind those Big Four concern you at all, or is it just too early to tell right now? Yeah, I mean, it's too early to draw any definitive conclusions, right? But I think the lack of depth is definitely something to watch and monitor. I, I, you know, the, the bench for San Antonio bludgeoned. Uh, Golden State in that game and it's a one game sample size but I do think it's a theme that we're going to have to watch throughout the year because it's not like you're going into the season thinking the Warriors are deep you know it's an issue and um, in the past they have been deep Um, when you take away uh, some of that depth you just mentioned some of the players and all of a sudden you know Ian Clark has to take on more major minutes and he was somehow and I don't really blame him for this I think it was more fluky but he was a minus 29 in 15 minutes the other night you know or uh, Patrick McCraw who's a rookie is going to have to all of a sudden take on a bigger role for them and 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 now you're looking for maybe even a little more from uh, a Sean Livingston um, I think the backup you know front court deal is a little more worrisome than the backcourt but I definitely think it's concerning you know the primary concern for it is if you suffer an injury, you have less of a chance of covering it up than you did in the past. And that's one of the things, and Mark Cuban has talked about this, you know, where super teams all of a sudden aren't super, is they you know, tend to funnel their resources into those few players that make them super, but then if one of them goes down, you can't cover it up necessarily. And we kind of saw you know, Cleveland deal with some of that when Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving went down a couple of years ago. But I, I think that it's it's an issue if they get hurt. I think it could be an issue for their front court, even if they stay healthy. But in the postseason, the rotations are so much shorter that I, I and we don't know what's going to happen at the deadline per se. So I, I do think it's something worth monitoring, but nothing you can make definitive conclusions about yet. They're going to be thin, but whether or not that's going to be a fatal flaw, that remains to be seen. That's some good observation, that's for sure. All right, let's talk about the Pelicans, who were not able to win at home in their season opener as well, falling to the Nuggets 107-102. to 102. The bright spot for Noel, of course, was Anthony Davis's 50 points. What did you make of his incredible performance Wednesday night? Well, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of his game after the All-Star break last year. I believe it was the second game after the All-Star break. I think he had put, like, 34 on Philadelphia the first game after the break, and then he had the 59-20 and 20 game against Detroit, and that was after he wasn't chosen for the All-Star team. And I think that this year, Anthony Davis has something to prove. You know, besides how badly he wants to win for this city, and he clearly wants to eventually bring a championship to New Orleans, that's a priority, and grow this franchise and has taken ownership of it, I think he also has something to prove personally. You know, he was left off all three All-NBA teams last year. He was hurt. And after being a darling going to last season, he was, you know, sort of an afterthought going into this season. Maybe that afterthought's a little strong, but, you know, he all of a sudden wasn't being talked about with the same acclaim that he was going into last year. And I think that, you know, there's probably a part of him that wants to remind people just how good he is when healthy. There's probably a part of him that wants to prove that he can remain healthy. And then there's also the added uh, motivation and leadership that he takes on. I know Solomon Hill has talked about how, you know, he was kind of blown away that this young kid has had as much communication in the offseason and throughout the, the preseason as Anthony Davis has, you know, whether it was organizing, 
you know, the workouts for, uh, for their team or being in constant communication with Alvin Gentry about his leadership. You know, I think Anthony Davis really wants to own this year and maybe exceed expectations. And I almost think it's a good thing for Davis to have flown back, you know, under the radar a little bit for the team to have lowered expectations this year because it can put them back on a path of development and growth that Davis can really lead rather than trying to make all of these sort of, um, you know, past their prime scorers work like you had with a Ryan Anderson or an Eric Gordon or even a Tyreek Evans, who I know he'll be back at some point. I think it almost is good for Anthony Davis to have more fertile ground for growing with some of those pieces not here or out right now. We're talking with Ryan Rucco, who will be on the call for Pelicans and Warriors on ESPN at 830 Central. What do you think of this year's Pelicans team? Speaking of guys surrounding Anthony Davis, seven new guys, some pieces still missing as far as Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, and Quincy Pondexter. I know you've only seen them for one game so far, but as far as how their roster is built, um, what do you like about this Pelicans team? Yeah, so I, um, I, I really like Tim Frazier. I, I know he played well at the end of last year when he came uh, up to the Pelicans, and I think that um, – he does some really nice things. I like how well he rebounds for a point guard, um, and uh, and at his size, pretty pretty remarkable. And he, he, last year, I don't know if the way he shot from three at the end of the year is sustainable, but um, if he can be anywhere near that, I, I like every other aspect of his game. So I'm excited to see what he can do um, with some more regular minutes. Uh, I also. I think that Solomon Hill is going to bring a nice defensive mindset. I don't expect him to be able to do from three what he did in the playoffs last year for Indiana, but I do think that he brings kind of a gritty defensive mindset. And, and that's sort of what was targeted in the offseason for New Orleans, right? When you brought in Langston Galloway and Solomon Hill and Etuan Moore, these are all guys who are very solid defensively. Um, so I think that'll change the identity of them a little bit. You know, I don't think they have enough uh, offensive talent yet to effectively run Alvin Gentry's system. Um, and, uh, and you know, not having Evans and not having Holiday and not having Pondexter is definitely um, a hindrance to trying to run that effectively. Um, but I think they're going to be gritty. You know, I think that they're going to they're gonna play with um, like kind of what we saw last night where they were down big in the second half and they kept fighting, kept battling. They were able to put together – you know, stops at different times back-to-back to give themselves a chance to tie the game or take the lead. I think we're going to see that. I think the only way they come close to scoring enough is if Buddy Heald really grows quickly into a, you know, legitimate third option offensively. And that's a lot to ask for a rookie, you know. NBA rookies don't usually have that kind of an impact. So uh, I think that Heald is their best chance to be what they need to be offensively. Um, I think that him making good on that in year one is unlikely, but I think that defensively they're going to be a lot, a lot grittier and uh, we'll probably see them climb out of the bottom uh, third in defensive efficiency like they've been over the past four years. All right, before I let you go, when you, Jeff Van Gundy, and Doris Burke um, begin the broadcast, what kind of storylines will stick out to you when it comes to Warriors and Pelicans? Well, I think... First and foremost, uh, whether or not anything from game one with Golden State is, uh, is worthy of consideration beyond just, you know, being an overreaction. Um, you know, are there things that 
were unearthed in the loss to San Antonio that could be legitimate issues for the Warriors uh, as they move through this season. And um, along those lines, if it's a good thing for Golden State that they lost that first game, and, and also a reminder why when people act like, oh, you know, if they win the championship, it's not going to be a big deal because it's just going to be like, oh, that's what they're supposed to do. It's never that easy. And so those titles are always coveted and they always feel like they were legitimately achieved. And I think that losing game one is a reminder of that. Um, so that's a, that's a definite storyline. Um, I think that, you know, the obvious one for New Orleans is what does Anthony Davis do for an encore? You know, um, he is going to be the lone star on the floor for New Orleans going up against uh, a star-laden lineup for Golden State. But Davis had the most robust opener uh, that we've seen in a long time, maybe one of the most incredible season openers ever. You could probably argue it was the most ridiculous stat line we've ever seen in the season opener. Yeah. So can, can, he, can he build on that national TV? Last year uh, he had a tremendous game um, in an overtime win against Cleveland uh, on ESPN. Um, I think he likes that stage, uh, and I think that he also has something to prove. So kind of the combination of what does he do for an encore and just legitimate curiosity and excitement, and then what does he have to do to get this team win? Because as we saw, as great as he was last night, it wasn't enough for a victory. So how does this team get wins, even if Anthony Davis is playing at an elite level? Yeah, I would definitely love an encore from Anthony Davis on Friday night, that's for sure. That's Ryan Rucco. Um, he'll be on the call for Pelicans Warriors at 830 Central alongside Jeff Van Gundy and Doris Burke. Ryan, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you uh, at the arena. All right, thanks so much for having me, man. All right, thank you. Thanks, Daniel. When we come back, Bree and I will wrap things up here in Studio B on this beautiful Black and Gold Friday. Stick around. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. From sunup to sundown, there's no end to the great time you'll have at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Join us October 26th through 30th at the Country Club of Jackson for a full course of action. From first class golf, to fan-pleasing fun, and of course, lots of fresh, delicious 100% natural chicken. 
all to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. So don't miss a single stroke of excitement at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. All right, we are going to wrap things up on this Friday of Halloween weekend here in New Orleans. Once again, we have, it is game day for the Pelicans. We're taking on the Warriors tonight at 8.30, a late tip-off, but it's going to be broadcast on ESPN, as well as we have the World Series happening that is going on at 7 o'clock. And then tomorrow night, we are going straight to San Antonio, and the Pelicans are playing the 2-0 San Antonio Spurs. That's a 7 p.m. game, also nationally televised. Going to be a tough turnaround for the Pelicans, yeah. but... <laughs> we'll get it done. Yeah, and then, of course, Saints game coming up on Sunday. Kickoff at noon against the Seattle Seahawks at home in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, so a lot going on this weekend, especially considering that it's Halloween. That's what I call it. Anyway. We're going to dress up like Richard Sherman. We'll be in our Harry Potter yes. costumes. Harry Potter costumes. Actually, <laughs> Pointing my wand at everyone. <laughs> actually, I'm coming to the game tonight, and I figured that I should go in costume. Oh, my goodness. So I don't have a Pelicans costume, unfortunately. Um, but I'm going to let you in on a secret, because normally I like all my Halloween costumes to be a secret until I wear them. But all of you get the exclusive first knowledge. I'm going to be a panda. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But I think I'll put on a, a Pelican's jersey, so it's like a Pella panda. How do you dress up as a panda? <laughs> Guess you'll have to see. Oh my gosh! At I'm the excited. game, I wonder if like I feel like people will be dressed up. Yeah, just look for the panda Hopefully in the crowd. Hopefully not as I, warriors, but you know. Yeah, definitely not as warriors. <laughs> I hope not. But I also know that the Pelicans dance team is dancing to Panda, which is ah, my panda perfect. theme song. So it's just gonna be great Perfect. <laughs> could not be better very excited we have a great weekend of sports heading our way which we always love pelicans will also be back home next tuesday so exciting time nba season is here yeah it is here also make sure if you're gonna be out at voodoo or watching the cubs game or doing whatever you're doing and you can't catch it the game make sure you download the pelicans and the saints team apps they are available they're completely free and there are a lot of great features going on in that app pelicans app actually just added some 360 video and some Ooh. little emojis you can put on your your pictures in the app really really cool stuff check it out Right, and then don't forget to use the hashtag Pelicans Game Day tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, and then hashtag Saints Game Day, hashtag Black and Gold Friday. There's All so the many hashtags. hashtags. Hashtag Win the Night for Pelicans. Yeah. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there to the social media team, Cassie. Get all those <laughs> hashtags. Get you some in. likes in there for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna wrap things up. I hope everybody has a fun, safe weekend cheering on both your saints and your pelicans and we will catch you next week next friday you'll have brie and cassie once again thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report presented by abc insurance agencies a better choice for insurance if all goes well we'll be back next week tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.